Uh, it's so great to be in the house, isn't it? So great, so great to be hugging physical bodies. I just, you know, I'm, I haven't gotten tired of that. Um, every time we have a little hiccup in our ability to gather, uh, it's just so, it feels like such a reunion when we get to come back. Uh, I, I just really want to boast on our church for, for a minute because, um, you know, the last, the last few weeks have been pretty full on and uh, you probably can't get a full picture of just how bad the flood affected the building here. And yet, despite, despite that fact, despite the fact that half the building is kind of going to be out of action for quite a while, the church, as in the people, have been phenomenal in, this, in the community. And, you know, we've, we've given out um, $10,000 worth of vouchers for, for flood-affected victims. We've got another 10000 to give out. We've got Jenny, Jenny Chun, um, she can't sit on the front desk anymore, but she's uh, now she's located at the Flood Recovery Centre and, uh, you know, she's just there just facilitating meeting need. And, uh, you know, and, and during all of this time where, you know, everything's been in chaos... <clears throat> I've had Dave and Sammy taking so much food. I, I want to tell you that while the, while the floods were happening, every eight hours someone came to this building, including these guys, to fill up the generators with petrol, diesel, whatever, so that uh, the, the meat could stay frozen in the freezers that they had moved upstairs. And that meat has now been distributed to the community. And, and like, it was, it was just phenomenal, uh, the amount of people who just turned up and served. And then, of course, last week we had our Hope Initiative. Give us a wave if you were there. How phenomenal was that? And Sammy was sending me photos of just people in the community just with this big grin on their face you know it's just like the the purpose of us going in there was to sow seeds of hope and in the community it's really you know the community has gone through a really rough time and 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 we succeeded in doing that we did that church you did that church and I just want to boast on you I'm so proud of you so proud yes Yes, I'm glad you're giving yourselves a clap. That's excellent. <laughs> so yeah, um, for all the all the people that have worked so tirelessly, and then and, you know everyone who helped us with the um, with um, just the, the massive amount of stuff we had to throw out and <laughs> and sort through, and um, and of course we've still got the post-apocalyptic uh, decor going on upstairs, um, which is very fun. <laughs> um, just a reminder, we do have bathrooms um, upstairs on level four. So obviously we can't get to the ones downstairs, but you can go up to the, to the two that are just up there. So I um, thought that might be important for some of you to know that <laughs> today. <laughs> so hey, what a, what a state of the world we're living in, right? It's, uh, it's pretty crazy. And um, who would have thought that we'd turn the corner into 2022 and we'd be potentially facing World War Three? How are you guys going with that? We're doing Okay. You know, I remember in the 80s at school, uh, the, the general vibe was we felt at any moment someone was going to accidentally press the nuclear button and the world was going to be destroyed. And we sort of got past that and we've been kind of, you know, not thinking too much about that. And suddenly someone's talking about nuclear again. You know, it's like, great, awesome. We're ready for that, aren't we? After two years of a pandemic, we've, we've, we're totally up for that. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I just look around and, and um, I look around the world and, and, uh, and I just observe the 
the incredible um, polarization of ideologies that are going on, and uh, and just that you know calling calling evil good and good evil, and uh, you know just the 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 threat to our freedom of religion and freedom of speech, all the censorship that's going on, and uh, look at all the corruption that's happening, and you know you just don't know who to believe when you when you listen to the news. It's just uh, you know, and now now we've got inflation. How fun is that? You know, go to the shops and everything costs a lot more than it used to cost. And, uh, you know, the petrol, oh, I've just spent the most money I've ever spent on filling a tank of petrol. Anyone else with me? I was like, ouch, that really hurts, right? Uh, and now we're talking about food shortages because, of course, you know, Ukraine supplies 30% of the world's grains. And, uh, of course, they can't even sow a field right now because they're at war. So, you know, it's like... Uh, we're we're uh, we're kind of going through a little bit of a crisis, <laughs> and then you just throw in a few natural disasters, you know, a few floods, volcanoes, earthquakes, whatever. Just throw it all in, and crazy weather conditions, and uh, yeah, it's it definitely feels like crisis. I've mentioned before um, uh, a book that Rick and I read a few years ago called The Fourth Turning. How many of you have heard of The Fourth Turning? couple of you yeah um, it's actually it's been pretty widely read and uh, uh, it, it was published in the 90s in the 1990s and a couple of historians um, Strauss and Howe they uh, were uh, looking historically um, at especially at America and what they noticed is that there was this very clear kind of pattern and rhyme that was happening in history and it, it kind of over the span of about 80 odd years uh, so like a normal sort of human life. What, but what they were noticing is that every 20 years there seemed to be this very marked turning. And, and it would sort of reset after four turnings. It would kind of reset and that pattern would emerge again and then reset and emerge again. And, and so they, uh, you know, they're writing about this in the 1990s and they're saying we're about to come into a crisis generation. Now they've since uh, spoken, one of them's actually passed away now, but um, they've since spoken, they've, they've, I've listened to quite a few podcasts by uh, Neil Howe, and, uh, and they, they say that the uh, crisis generation, that turning, um, that crisis turning happened in 2008 uh, with the, um, you know, the global financial crisis. Uh, do you remember that? It's like so many crises ago, it's like, <laughs> uh, and, and, it would, and it would roughly go for about 20 years. So they, they um, believe it will sort of culminate in about 20, uh, 28. And so, that, you know, the first turning is like a, a high, it's a, like a springtime, it's full, people are full of optimism and uh, there's kind of collective confidence, a sense of rebuilding. Uh, and that's, that's followed in the, the second turning is the awakening, so a time of increasing individualism and uh, like a consciousness revolution, a lot of uh, spiritual awakening, um, very passionate kind of mood, like the summer. And then the third is the, um, is the unraveling, like the, like the autumn. And, and it's where ideas begin to polarise. It's where uh, disillusionment starts to set, to set in. And of course, then that turns into the crisis period, the winter. And we're smack bang in the middle of that. <laughs> No surprises, right? That didn't shock any of you, did it? We're, we're smack bang in the middle of a crisis generation. And I can tell you something, it's probably going to get worse before it gets better. Aren't you glad you came to church today? But I'm excited because I believe <laughs> that the church is called to lead our world through the crisis generation. It's not... And it's no surprise that we're in a crisis generation. 
You know, I was reminded of that uh, conversation between the serpent and Eve that's recorded in Genesis chapter 3, where, where the serpent says to Eve, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Did God really say? And of course, this is, this is the sort of stuff that's been going on. We're saying, you know, is marriage really between a man and a woman? Did God really just make two genders, male and female? Did he really? Is the nuclear family actually important? Is sin actually real? Or is it just a social construct, you know? Is church important? Is man really made in the image of God? Is a fetus really a human being? We've, we ask these questions. They're coming straight from the pit of hell, of course. But we ask these questions. We've challenged the absolutes that God has laid down. And it's no wonder that we're in a bit of a mess. The world is in utter chaos. Because when you turn your back on the things of God, this is what happens. And look, in our lifetime, we are literally watching the fall and decline of the West. Because we have abandoned all the things, all the Judeo-Christian worldview the, the Judeo-Christian morals and values that we, the, the West was really birthed out of, we have walked away from it. We've challenged it. We've questioned it. We've walked away from it. It's no wonder we're in a mess. It's also no wonder that people like Mr. Putin is doing what he's doing right now because he's watching the fall of the West. Everything that brought life and blessing and prosperity to us was, was rooted, it was founded in our Judeo-Christian foundation. And we've, we've torn it apart, we've unraveled, we've picked, picked the threads and it's just unraveling right, right beneath us as we watch. And look, the world is scrambling to work out what to do. Nobody knows what to do with, with Ukraine. No, the, the world leaders are like, far out. If we push it too far, we're all just going to die in nuclear. We're going to be gone. What do we do? What do we do? No one knows. The leaders of the world do not know what to do in this hour on the, on the planet. Which makes me excited because of the church. Because when the church remembers who she is in the midst of all of this, phenomenal things can happen. So I, I, I am... I believe today that, you know, that the challenge for us is there's, there's going to be two possible outcomes. We're either going to lead the world as the church through this crisis period, through the days ahead, into a new high, a new renewal, a renewal of family, of morality, of the church. Come on, you know, I'm excited about that. We'll either, we'll either lead the world through this crisis or we're going to lead the world into the second coming of Jesus Christ. So I'm going to go there today. I'm, I'm going there today. All right. Okay. We, we kind of get a bit nervous about preaching on this subject because honestly, like, how do you interpret the book of Revelations? I mean, seriously. So I'm staying right away from that. And I'm just going to talk about what Jesus said and I'm going to work through some scriptures and we're going, to, we're going to look at the second coming of Jesus. And so, but I want to, I want to, I want to build to it because uh, Jesus, there was a lot going on. And so I want, to, I want to give some context and frame of reference. And you know what? I could be totally wrong, <laughs> but I feel like I'm right. 
Um, we've been trying to interpret these prophecies for many, many years and, uh, you know, lots of people get it wrong. But I feel really challenged to share with you today. We don't talk about this. We don't teach it. But here's the truth. The first coming of Jesus was prophesied for thousands of years. I suppose there would have been some eye rolling. Oh, talking about the Messiah again, Dad coming. Yeah, whatever. He came. He came. He fulfilled those prophecies. So when he prophesied that he's going to return again, guess what? He's coming again. This world has a time limit on it. The timer has been set. We are counting down on the clock, right? It's, it's always only had a limited time to be here, to do the purposes that it was, you know, called for. And Jesus will return. And he's coming for his elect. He's coming for us. Turn to the person next to you and say, he's coming for you. I know. It's exciting. Get excited. It's, it's pretty exciting. So I want to I read, I want to pick up this particular um, sort of conversation that Jesus is having with his disciples. I'm going to pick it up at the end of Matthew 23. We're going to pop this, uh, the scriptures on the screen for you. So Jesus is looking at Jerusalem. He says, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. The city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings and you were not willing? See, your house is left to you desolate, for I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. I want us to pause for a minute and just take in what Jesus is just saying about Jerusalem. I tell you, God's heart for Israel is very powerful. It's, he loves Israel. He loves Israel. And he made a covenant with them many years ago, and he has not abandoned that covenant. A lot of people feel that he, once, once Jesus came and the church was established, that Israel just wasn't even part of the covenant anymore. God doesn't break his covenants. Israel is still really important, and we've got to keep our eye on Israel. In fact, I've, I've just uh, been hearing this week um, that uh, in, in the mosques, uh, there is a prophecy that's going around that says Israel will be destroyed by July 8th, 2022. And there's a, now there's a rise of terror attacks happening in Israel because there's uh, you know, a lot of the, the particular Muslim uh, section that uh, really hate Israel and want to see it destroyed, they are really banking on this prophecy to come true. They, some guys you know, calculated something out, out of the Quran and he's come up with this, with this date. And uh, they're all excited because they feel like they, the, Israel's about to be wiped off the map. And of course, Iran, flat out, trying to get a nuclear weapon. Why? They just want to see Israel wiped off the map. <laughs> and so this is all happening in our time. We're watching this. We're watching this un unfold in our time. Uh, and so I, I want you to understand God's heart for Israel and how heavily burdened Jesus was because he knew what was about to happen. And so we, we flip over into Matthew 24. It says, Jesus left the temple and was going away. And when his disciples came to point out to him the buildings of the temple... Uh, but he answered them and he said, you see all these, do you not? Truly I say to you, there will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. And of course, we know that just 40 years later, Rome came and, and just sacked Jerusalem and 
um, they burnt the temple and the, the gold that was lining the temple ran down in between all the, all the stones and they literally pulled apart every stone in order to get the gold out. The temple was gone. The temple was everything. It was everything for the Jewish people. So let's move on. So as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us when will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? They're they're really big questions. It may not have occurred to them that they're kind of, they were separate issues. That the destruction of the temple and the return of Jesus were separate issues. So Jesus starts to give a bit of an overview. He says, look, see that no one leads you astray. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ, and they they will lead many astray. And you'll hear of wars and rumours of wars and see that you're not alarmed for this must take place. But the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom and there'll be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are but the beginning of the birth pains. And then they will deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death and you'll be hated by all nations for my name's sake. That's why there's so much anti-Semitism around. Jesus prophesied it was going to happen. And then many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. And many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. And because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. So Jesus gives us this overview of what this is going to look like. And, uh, and you know, and that, that's just the beginnings of birth pains, you know, the, the, the wars and rumours of wars. It's just the beginning of, of the, of the labour that's going to bring forth the return of, of Jesus. So there was going to be some time uh, that was going to go past, and, and, but then the end would come. You know, we, we're pretty much there. There are so few people groups left to reach. We're pretty much there. Depending on how you want to interpret, uh, you know, every nation hearing about the gospel or, or every small sub-people group, you know, how far down in the people groups do we go? We're pretty much there. We've been working very hard at getting the gospel into the most remotest places. And we are pretty much there, people. We're pretty much there. You know that Jesus said, you know, many would... Many would be persecuted, many would die. You know, we, we don't hear this very often because the media just doesn't seem to like to uh, report on this stuff. But, you know, in 2021 alone, 360 million Christians were persecuted. 6,000 executed because of their faith. The year before that, 340 million Christians persecuted and 5,000 executed. Sadly, 8 in 10 of those is happening in Nigeria. It's just terrible what's happening to the Christians there. So I'm telling you, we're, we're pretty much there. So let's, let's move on. So, so Jesus has given this overview of what it's, it's going to look like. And then he says, so. I, th- I think that's interesting that he starts with that. So. It's like he's going, so this is what you're going to look out for that's going to start the timer. This is what it's going to look like. So when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by the prophet Daniel standing in the holy place, let the reader understand, then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Now, now what they're referring to in terms of the abomination, it's, it's usually attached to idolatry. 
the Romans put their gods in the temple. The abomination of desolation right there standing in the holy place. This is their way of trying to subdue the, the Jews who just kept rising up. They kept being revolts and revolutions. And, and so the, the Romans put their gods in the temple. And Let's go on from verse 17. So let the one who is on the housetop not go down to take what is in his house. And let the one who is in the field not turn back to take his cloak. And alas for women who are pregnant and for those who are nursing infants in those days. Pray that your flight may not be in winter or on a Sabbath. For then there will be great tribulations such as not been from the beginning of the world until now. No and never will be. And if those days had not been cut short, no human being would be saved. But for the sake of the elect, those days will be cut short. And then if anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ or there he is, do not believe it for false Christ and false prophets will arise and perform great signs and wonders so as to lead astray, if possible, if possible even the elect. See, I have told you beforehand... So if they say to you, look, he's in the wilderness, do not go out. If they say, look, he's in the inner rooms, do not believe it. For as the lightning comes from the east and shines as far as the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Let me just stop here. I, I want to go back to the, the, to the first part of that passage. So Jesus is warning them about the events that would happen in 70 AD. A, a lot of people read this and think this is end times. This is 70 AD. This is the beginning. So this is how it starts. This is what it looks like. It's going to be bad. And you know, Josephus, the, uh, an ancient historian, he wrote at this time, and he said that a million Jews were slaughtered. This is ancient times. A million Jews were slaughtered and tens of thousands were taken into slavery. But because Jesus had given this warning, a million Christian Jews escaped Jerusalem before the sacking happened. Isn't that amazing? Because of that warning. A million Christian Jews got out because they knew Jesus had warned them. When you see this sign, you know, get out. Don't, don't tarry, get out. And so they, they got out. They got out of Jerusalem. And of course, then we, we see that, you know, the uh, Christianity dispersed across the world and the Jews found their way all in, in all different pockets of the world. Um, it was a horrendous, horrendous time in Israel. And this is what Jesus is referring to. And of course, after that, you know, there were many that, uh, many false prophets, many people claiming to be Jesus and, you know, lots of distortions of religion and, uh, you know, lots of uh, distortions of Jesus' teaching and, and all of that happened back in this, in this period of time. And then he goes on to say, Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light and the stars will fall from heaven and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Now, this is prophetic language. So a lot of people really like to, um, you know, look at the sun and the moon and they're looking for the literal the literal sort of uh, darkening and, uh, you know, the, every, every eclipse, you know, that happened to the churches were all ready for the rapture. And, you know, but, but in fact, this is very, this kind of dream prophetic kind of language that, that Jesus is using. In Genesis, it says that the sun and the moon were given to us to mark the seasons. And so Jesus is saying there's a passage of time that will pass, the sun and the moon, and it's going to be darkened. And he was referring to the fact that Israel would be in spiritual darkness for a long time. And that's what we saw. 
We saw as the Christians left, as the Jews left, as there was great persecution and slaughter that was going on there in 70 AD and that the disbursement across the world, we, we then see uh, one empire after another taking claim to the land. It's just incredible. I just got, I jumped on Wikipedia just to have a look. It's unbelievable the amount of battles and wars and empires and kings and you know different people that were that were claiming that land and subduing that land. And of course, when when the Bible talks about stars falling from heaven, that's often a reference to stars to the kings, to the leaders, and, and that they would fall. And we saw one falling after another, after another, after another as the history of Israel then merged into the history of Palestine and uh, up until, you know, the 1900s. In fact, the World War I, when the British came in and, and uh, actually uh, freed Palestine from the Ottoman Empire and then made it a home again for the Jewish people to return to. So we see this passage of time. And in fact, it's interesting because the same account of this passage in Luke, in Luke chapter 21, Jesus actually says this line. He says, Jerusalem will be trampled on by the Gentiles until the time of the Gentiles are fulfilled. And that's exactly what happened for about 1900 years. Then, so this is how it's going to start. This is how it's going to look in the middle. Then will appear in heaven the sign of the Son of Man and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory and he will send out his angels with a loud trumpet call and they will gather his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. How exciting is that? We're waiting for that great day, right? And then Jesus says this, So from the fig tree learn its lesson. He's, he's giving us a cheat sheet, cheat sheet on, on how, to, how to interpret uh, the signs of the times. He says, as soon as its branch becomes tender and puts out its leaves, you know that summer is near. So also when you see all these things, you know that he is near at the very gates. Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Okay, so... Let's, let's go back to the fig tree because we're learning something from the fig tree. Bible scholars tell us that the fig tree was a metaphor for the nation of Israel. In Hosea 9.10 it says this, Like grapes in the wilderness I found Israel like the first fruit on the fig tree in its first season I saw your fathers. So Bible scholars, they, they feel that, this is a, that Jesus is making reference to the nation of Israel which ceased to exist from 70 AD until... 1948. Let me, let, me, let me get there. So her blossoming branches refers to the nation state of Israel being created in 1948. And Jesus said that the generation that witnesses that will not pass away before I return. Psalm 90 uh, verse 10 says, Our days may come to 70 years or 80 if our strength endures. If I count 80 years from 1948, I get 2028. That's if that's what Jesus meant by that. 2028. Is that a bit sobering? It's only six years away. It's exciting. It is. (laughs) It's pretty exciting. 
Now, lots of people have speculated dates and, you know, all of that sort of stuff. And so I'm, I'm saying to you very humbly, I'm just presenting a view of this. It might be different to what you've read or understood or heard. But I think we have to be a little bit sobered up as the church because our time might be running out. We're either going to lead the world through a crisis turning <laughs> and out the other end, and that's important and significant, and we've got a really massive role in that, or we're going to lead the world into the second coming of Jesus. Either way, we've got a really important few years ahead of us. And so let me go on. I want to finish off with Matthew, in, in Matthew 24. It says, But concerning that day and hour, no one knows. We don't know the day or the hour, but Jesus said we'd know the season. Not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. For as were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day when Noah entered the ark, and they were unaware, until the flood came and swept them all away. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. Two men will be in the field and one will be taken and one left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken and one left. Therefore, stay awake for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. Maybe we'll know the year. But know this, that if the master of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore, you also must be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect this is really important that we sober up as the church okay it's been a tough two years I found it really tough I, I you know I'll be the first one to tell you my capacity just got cut in half through COVID anyone else feel like that just like oh my gosh it, it's been a tough two years but it is time for the church to sober up and be awake and understand the hour that we live in he goes on to say this, and I feel this is really important. I'm going to bounce off this with, a, with a, just a few points to finish off. He says, Who then is the faithful and wise servant whom his master has set over his household to give them their food at the proper time? So Jesus starts to paint a picture. He's the master of the household. In his house, there's resource. It's a storehouse. There's food there to be served at the proper, proper time. There's, 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 uh, there's resource there. And he says, blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. So, you know, the, the servant does what the master uh, requires of the household. Like his, how, how the master would want his household to be run, the servant does that. And that's what we've been entrusted how, how would Jesus want his church to look? How would he want the kingdom to be expanding? How would he, how would he want that to look in, in the world that we're in today? He's left us with that job of, of, of doing what he would have done if, if he were here. It says, truly I say to you, he will set him over all of his possessions. But if that wicked servant says to himself, my master's delayed and begins to beat his fellow servants and eats and drinks with the drunkards, the master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect at an hour he does not know and will cut him in pieces, ouch, and put him with the hypocrites. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. You know, Jesus is saying, guys, I need you to be running things like I would have been running them. Right up until that day I return, like it's tomorrow. He's asking us to be us as the church, he's asking us to be a storehouse 
of provision, to have food for the proper time. He's asking, he's asking of that of us. You know, I've just been meditating on that thought, like, God, you, I, I, I sense that word, that storehouse. It's time to be a storehouse. And I'm thinking of that storehouse of love and of power, mercy, of grace, of truth, of wisdom, of faith, of goodness, kindness, justice, you know, all those things that we need to be the storehouse of. We are the storehouse of that as the church. And so in conclusion, I, I just want to I, I read this verse out of Hebrews 12. We've got, to, we've got to be aware of the day that we're living in. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. We've got to throw it off. I think it's really important right now for the church to throw off any unnecessary weight. And start thinking about the storehouse. You know, when Rick was training for a marathon, I remember he was talking to a lot of guys that had run marathons about what they have to eat before the marathon to make sure that the, the kind of power is released in the muscles at the right time in the, in the race. And I just have this stirring about throwing off and becoming a storehouse of. And so I've, got, I've just got four things that I want to say as I, as I close. The first thing I believe we have to do as the church is we've got to throw off debt. If you have debt, you need to get rid of it. You need to pay off that debt and do it, do it very quickly. And once you've paid off that debt, you need to uh, you know, be, uh, start putting away some savings. You need to start getting on top of your finances and, uh, and, and get yourself ready. You know, I really felt a stirring in the Holy Spirit in 2020. And uh, I said to Rick, I, I believe that there's some things that we need to do. And we made sure we had no debt. It took us 12 months. We had no debt. And we had three months of living expenses saved in the bank. And I had a month's worth of food in the pantry. And I, I just felt like I, this stirring about being a storehouse. Like, and I'm a practical girl, so I go practical. And, and so I think as a church, we've got to be on top of our finances and we've got to get rid of debt. It's really, that's really important. I think if you've been thinking about you know, planting a vegetable garden or some fruit trees, now's the time to do it. You know, if, you, if you've been thinking about doing a bit of prepping, now's the time to do it. If you've been thinking about owning some chickens, now's the time to do it. If you've been thinking about homeschooling, now's the time to do it. If you've been thinking about having another baby, now is the time to do it. <laughs> Amen. Spirit of multiplication over the church. <laughs> but we've got to get on top of our finances. We've got to throw off debt and we've got to become a storehouse of provision. That's the first thing I want to say. The second thing is we've got to throw off fear and become a storehouse of faith. The last two years has sown so much fear into our community. It's unbelievable. We've got to throw it off. We cannot be friends with fear. As Christians, we can't be friends with fear. We, we kind of mollycoddle ourselves a little bit about the things that we get anxious about. So like, no, Jesus told us, don't be anxious for anything. Like, stop it. <laughs> we have to have this conversation with ourselves. We've got to throw off the fear. You know why? Because fear shuts down our problem solving. And if we're going to lead the world through a crisis period, a crisis turning, we can't be so afraid that we can't solve problems. God has given us a sound mind, Timothy tells us. And we're going to need that mind to navigate the days that are ahead. So we, we cannot be friends with fear. Everybody say that after me. I cannot be friends with fear. Excellent. 
Write that up somewhere on your mirror every morning. I can't be friends with fear. We can't. We have to be full of faith. We need to be a storehouse of faith. Hey, Jesus is coming back for us. (laughs) This is kind of (laughs) cool. Good things are happening. Good things are happening. And we won't see them if we're so afraid. It, it, it just reduces our capacity. It keeps us small. It stops us from problem solving. We've got to be full of faith. You know, I believe that even in the middle of crisis, we're going we're gonna to start to see the miracles that we saw in the Bible where, you know, the widow never ran out of flour and oil. We're literally going to start seeing those miracles again. Don't you dare be afraid of what, the, of what is awaiting us in the next few years because God will turn up. He'll sovereignly turn up and he will do the miraculous amongst us. So don't you dare be afraid because we need to be, full, we need to be a storehouse of faith. Amen? And the third thing, I am coming to an end. Matt, if you'd like to come up to the keys. The third thing is we've got to throw off distraction and become a storehouse of purpose. Guys, we get too distracted. Distracted with the things of the world. Distracted with making money. Distracted with, uh, you know, just dramas, you know, things that are going on. We get distracted by our little pet offences and our unforgiveness. You know, we, we, we get distracted by those things. They have no eternal value. Activities that have no eternal value. We have to throw them off. Now is not the time for distractions. Now is the time to be a storehouse of purpose. We are leading. We are leading by our lives, by our attitudes, by our, you know, the example of, of just the way we live. We are leading. And this is, this is important that we are full of purpose. People are still yet to be saved. We've got to share with them the love of Jesus. We've got children that have walked away from God. We've got to bring them home. Friends that have walked away from God, distracted, lost their purpose. We've got to, we've got to bring them back, back, back into the fold. It's time to throw off distraction and become a storehouse of purpose. And finally, we've got to throw off sin that so easily entangles and become a storehouse of holiness. We don't have time to have little pet sins that we just keep in the bottom drawer, pull out every now and again. We don't have time. We don't have time for that the shame that comes that binds us up and stops us from doing anything. We don't have time for it. We've got to throw it off. We've got to throw off that sin. And we've got to be a storehouse of holiness. I can't be holy. Jesus, Jesus is holy. And becoming a storehouse of holiness is just having more of Jesus saturate your very being, your very soul, your mind. We just need... Jesus, we've got to be a storehouse of Jesus, His holiness, His presence. So church, I went there. I don't know. I don't know. It feels close. I just want to live ready. And I want to be awake. Because whatever happens, these next few years are really important. They're significant. And we're going to rise and we're going to lead. We're going to love. We're going to speak truth. 
going to make a stand in a world that is utterly full of chaos and fear right now. We're going to make a stand with a knowing smile on our faces because we're like, we know something you don't know. God's got it. No dramas. He's not shocked at all. Time is ticking. And we're ready. We're ready. You want to be ready? Let's stand to our feet. Oh, Heavenly Father, how we love You, how we love You. Lord God, we want to be completely awake as Your children. We want to be completely awake. We want to understand the hour that we live in. We want to be the church that You called us to be. We want to be that storehouse. We want to run things the way You would be running them if You were here. Stir in us, Lord God. Stir it in us. That we would be so prepared, so awake, so ready. Lord God, I pray that You would just pour Your Spirit out on us in such a profound way that the Gospel would spill from our lips so easily. Lord God, that we'd, we'd pull people back home again. That we'd pull people back into Your Kingdom. Lord God, I, I thank You for every softened heart that's ready for the, for the Gospel. Lord God, make us aware of it, of every heart that we encounter. Make us aware of that, that softness, that readiness. And let the Gospel spill easily from our mouth. Lord, I pray that You would just put such a, a resolute spirit within us that we could throw off the things that are hindering us, hindering our race, and that we would become a storehouse of the things that actually matter. Let us be a storehouse in every way. You've given us all that we need. You are everything that we need. And so, Lord God, we just thank You that You're going to guide us through this crisis turning. You're going to guide us into the years and the days ahead. God, we're going to lead the world as your church. We're going to speak truth and life and hope because we have truth and life and hope. And Lord Jesus, we, we just want to glorify you in all that we do. We want to be found worthy when you return. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. 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 Well, let's, uh, let's just love on each other a little bit. Maybe grab a coffee for someone out there at the cafe. And, uh, and those at home, thank you for joining us. <laughs> we love you. And uh, be well, be healed in the name of Jesus from this jolly flu and all the other flus. And uh, yeah, and we'll see you guys next week. Love you guys. Have a great week.